All right. How are we going to do this intro? Well, I think we're going to do it the way that we always do it, like for uh, 262 episodes where I'm first. <laughs> Why would you change Really? Me? This is, little guy, yeah, seriously, a... I know you've been away, but this is, come on. I don't know. It's a formula. All right. Yeah. It's formula, formulatic. Formulaic. Formu- yeah. Formulaic. Okay. Formulaic. That's how it always goes. Broccoli. All right. Start Broccoli. Okay. You guys ready? Yeah, I'm all set. You're listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride Podcast. And on Twitter, Slow Ride Pod. Enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to the 262nd episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Spencer in Boston, Massachusetts. Hey, this is Matt in Minneapolis. Uh, I guess I'm third. I, I, whatever, dudes. This is Tim in Orlando. Hey, Tim in Orlando. Did you think you were going to be first on the podium? I'm always Kinda like first. A couple other people today, and then suddenly you weren't. <laughs> yes. Just like those people in Norway and at the Brink Bank, classic little guy. Do you feel like Tim Wellens? Do you feel like Bargeel? <laughs> I feel just like Bargeel. In fact, I think okay. I'm going gonna, I think I'm gonna... to... I, I have an important <laughs> question. Am I okay. Gasparato in this situation, little guy? Well, I mean, Gasparato didn't end up third on GC, but yeah, in a way, because you you supposedly are the one that caused Timmy to, to, <laughs> to miss out. So just like somehow Gasparato um, ruined Bargill's race by flicking him, so yeah. he says. Didn't follow I, the formula. So do you guys think, I feel like Bargill's complaining, and maybe Gasparato flicked him, but he should have known that it was a wrong wheel to be on because he, was he in the Amstel Gold race today? No, he was no. not. So Gasparato is not a wheel to be on. I was gonna, I was gonna bring this up at some point yeah. in the pod, little guy, because I was, I was, I thought you would be excited that Gasparato's oh. name was in the press sometime out of the Ardennes week. I, I had to do a little double checking just to make sure that maybe Bargill didn't just get him confused with another rider from Dimension Data because yeah. you know you see so few of them these days. I'm sure even in the race <laughs> that um, you maybe get confused which one it is. But yeah. Strangely, he was toward the front end of a race, but obviously not the wheel to be on because there's only one race when he's the wheel to be on, and yeah. that's Amphisil Gold. Otherwise, yeah. go around him. Must be a so contract year. Is this? Yeah. Is this the uh, with Bargiel losing and uh, Lutsenko taking the win for Astana? By the way, the team that we would totally—I mean, definitely one of the team cars we'd be in—is this? Do you think his most important GC win of all time, or do you think Tour of Oman was bigger? Uh, God, I have no way to decide. I think more big guys go to Oman, but I is it, would view Arctic Race in Norway yeah. as a better Is the Arctic Race, race in Norway be, going to become one of the, like, the main tours because with all the global warming and everything that's happening, that now it's just going to be always beautiful summer in the above the Arctic Circle? Yeah, Probably. Probably. So this, I was going I I to bring this up because this race, I watched uh, some highlights of it, and it looks incredible. It looks amazing. The racing... Uh, up in Norway just looks yeah. like you want cycling to be. Um, I don't know what it is about European, like mainland cycling. It has sort of lost some of its charm. I don't know. Maybe it's too many roundabouts these days. Yeah. I don't know so, what it is. I didn't watch a ton of this. Is there a lot of climbing in this race? Like what, like tell me a little bit about this Arctic race other than Vanderpool cleaning up in that stage one sprint, which I loved. What else? Like, <laughs> Why, why else should I care good. about this race? Like, what, like, what am I missing? Yes. There's a lot of short, punchy, steep climbs. So it was a lot of like up, down, up, down, up, down. It wasn't, there wasn't like huge, epic, you know, huge mountains, but there was like 12% climbs, you know, for a couple K. So it was fun racing. It was super fun racing. Well, looking at it, like the, like, I'm just kind of looking through the teams. It looks like a pretty good mix, like kind of. A lot of pro continental teams, right? You got like Raleigh racing, rally racing, uh, Israeli cycling academy. 
And then you also have Astana, Dimension Data, Yumbo. Um, yeah, and you got you got, and even I mean I forget the guy who won today is on Marcus Holagard. He's on some team that's called You Know X Norwegian Development Team. So even some smaller teams were winning well, stuff. Let's so. give a quick shout out to our boy Ilner Zacharin in 16th place in Norway. <laughs> um, all right, so that was Contract good. Year. That was good racing. Anything? Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Volta here in a little bit, little guy. Specifically yep. with this race, the Arctic race of Norway. Any um, mm-hmm. influences into you think the Volta coming around the corner? Because um, we're going to be talking about. I that. don't. I don't think okay. so. I kind of feel like nobody there is going. Maybe I, but I mostly I think it's about world championships because you got MVDP and you got like Lutsenko, who are probably both eyeing the world. And I do want to. I mean, just Matthew Vanderpool winning in such a fashion one week after dominating a mountain bike World Cup. I mean, I mean the bigger guys, story he could was win that all of the mountain, when he, got, he could win all the world championships right now. Well, when he didn't win the second stage, Cycling News literally ran, a, ran an article about him being a human. Like, they, 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 they had to run a story being like, can you believe Matthew Vanderpool got beat in a sprint? I'm still... By a guy who we used to believe was like a, at least a B-plus, A-minus sprinter. So, yeah. I'm still sitting here, so, though, looking at this, guys. And you're just like, he could be the three-time world champ right now. Like, he could go to Quebec, just fly in the day before... Just don, dominate on the mountain bike at Mount St. Anne and then just fly back to York Yorkshire Yorkshire in uh yeah. England, United Kingdom. Nailed it. As long as it's still the Nailed United it. Kingdom before you know I don't think it's getting Brexited out. <laughs> yeah. Well, so we'll see. I, I saw a, a tweet and I have not verified these stats, but it's on Twitter, so it's probably true. Yes. Yeah, got it. Um, oh, I saw this. Uh, I I like this. This stat. is the this is the stats of Matthew Vanderpool uh, for 2019 in cyclocross. He's 12 for 12, 100 percent success rate. <laughs> Poor Wout. <laughs> in, in in mountain bike, and I I don't know what they're counting as mountain bike here, uh, but it says 14 of 16 for 87.5 percent win rate. Yep. And oh. on the road. Uh, after his victory in stage one at the Arctic race, which is when this uh, stat came out, uh, seven for 16 attempts for 43.7% win that's rate. That's not very on good. The road. Like seven out of 16. That's it could be better. Crazy. The, but one of those, <laughs> then the next day he got second. Yeah. He had some other close results. Uh, it was he seconds got, don't count in this, but little guy, I don't know if you were doing the math there in your head, but that equals 33 total out of 44 possible chances to win for a <laughs> astonishing 75% win rate. Okay. Yeah. And guys, we that's... might need to just head over to roller derby right now and just always put it on Matthew Vanderpool because that's 75% collection rate. Uh, that is super impressive. Spencer. What could the stunning. next closest rider be? Be is probably at like it's Valverde, ten, right? Uh, there's probably a it's probably Valverde at like 3%. <laughs> yeah. Valverde. I mean, there might be. So after the bink bank, Sam Bennett's probably at 30%. Because yeah, he maybe. won three of the seven. So, but after that, I mean, oh my god! So, let's stay above the. Uh, let's stay in Scandinavia, Spencer. Yes. Last year, Marianne okay. Voss absolutely wowed us with her handling, bike handling, coming out of the corner at the Post Nord UCI Women's World Tour, Vargarda yeah. West Sweden Road Race. Yes, I think I nailed that. That, by the way, that race happened again today. Uh, I know you're referring to you probably. Our, our listeners have probably seen the gif floating around on the internet uh, of Mariana Voss at just absolutely railing the final corner into the finishing straight at just speeds that should not be achievable and just dropping everyone on that corner and riding like sprinting away to, to a clean victory, you know, clean set of wheels for the entire Peloton Yeah, this year. Today was the same day uh, or the same race. Um, I didn't know much about that race. I didn't. I, all I saw was that clip uh, last year. I looked into this one a little bit more. That race has a, a bunch of gravel sections in it that they count down like Perry Bay. This race is awesome. It's in Sweden. It's got gravel. It's got all the big hitters there. And once again, Mariana Voss led into that same corner. She roasted it at a million miles an hour, let out the sprint and got beat at the line. By Mario Vasinelli. 
Bastinelli. It, uh, the, the Italian jersey looking crisp, looking good, looking how it should look. Roasted Mariana Voss at her trademark move. She tried to just do it again, you guys, and it didn't work. It's like someone was studying. Now, I'm wondering if Cycling News is going to run an article tomorrow about how she's human. No. <laughs> they should. That would require them to fully cover the, uh, the oh, sport. Zing over the years. They've done an okay job. They <laughs> could do a lot better. I'll say that. Yeah, I won't, I won't totally throw them out. They they at least send journalists to cover press conferences and things That's, like that. So that it's still a quality joke, but they do yeah. a better job than yeah. some other so, races. Let's put it that way. That's the Scandinavian race. Wait. Yeah. And then we'll go to Belgium for the Bink Bank Tour. Sam Bennett, the Irish national champion, cleans up the first three stages of this race. Not too mm-hmm. bad. But it's not too bad at all. Yellow Lotto, friend of the pod, one of our favorites, Lorenz de Plue, with the victory. Mm. Big sneaky victory here on the last day. It was a hell of a last day. Uh, one thing I think that is super funny, not funny, about the last day is that GVA, the almost man of cycling again, after his brief moment of being having wins for a year or two ago, uh, got beat by Oliver Nason today in the sprint. And then when you check out the GC, I didn't realize he was so close. GVA fourth at 37 seconds on GC, one second behind Tim Wellen. So he both got pipped at the line for the stage and for the podium. So bit of a bit of a kick kick in the stomach there for him today. Just a little, but he's still wearing the gold as the Olympic champion. Yeah, um, Zednik Stybar, yeah, guys, like... Zednik Stybar in fifteenth place, just five seconds away from the golden number, won by Ruben Guerrero of Team Katusha, Portuguese rider, who uh, gained yeah. three positions in the last day to get that coveted sixteenth place. Little guy, you're our yep. expert right now. Any okay. Vuelta Trouble. um impact on mm. the brink. Bink Bank Tour in Belgium. Anything I'm we can over care the about. results? I don't think so. There's no. What I like about this race is it's a fun race. Well, it's just a fun race, but no GC guys in the GC. Awesome. <laughs> that's that's. I think if you want to throw like a good four to five day race in a country like Belgium, you want to make a race like this that doesn't. No GC guys. It's all it's all classics riders in the GC. It's awesome. So no, I don't think it has any bearing on the coming volta all right let's 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 flip gears a little bit before we get into volta let's talk briefly about tour of utah there's um definitely some of the americans that are going to be heading over to the volta were there um trek segafredo had a couple and then uh we also got to talk about the situation second week in a row of the old post-up without a victory this one was hayden mccormick of um i don't even know what team but uh anyway (laughs) that's what happens folks when you post up too early um and and then realize that not only do we barely remember your name but we don't even remember what team you're on yeah i'll figure out one one, in one one eye and out the other i guess i don't know how team bridge lane now he did get on the podium for best most aggressive rider on that stage um yeah that's a nice consolation that's sympathy yeah now spencer you pointed out to me that at the women's short track mountain bike race two weeks ago yeah we had yeah. a similar situation and then mm-hmm. hayden mccormick has his unfortunate date with the devil of you know kind of like the zobble but here's the difference is that when zabo posted up early it was always like it was right there he knew right away that he messed up yep. these last two post-ups have happened with one lap to go so the person gets over the line they're tired they're beat they just laid it on they can't believe <laughs> That they sprinted yeah. away, especially, you know, they're usually smaller teams. They're just like, oh, man, I did it. Yeah. And yeah. then they get there and they yeah. get that moment of realization, maybe a little, and they don't want to believe it. Um, what do you, what's the protocol? Do you just like grin and bear it? Do you stop the race? Do you just go off the back? Like, what, what do you do here in this situation? Poor Hayden, he tried his best to like, just, he was on the radio, like trying to, maybe place the blame like Frankie Andreu's coverage. He's like, Oh, he's back on the radio. Maybe the team gave him the wrong count in the car. And you're like, "Eh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Uh, the bell was really loud when he came across the line. Come on. Like the guy was there ringing the bell. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if there's a protocol uh, for this, Tim, but I think this sounds like a job 
for the slow ride podcast that we can make that protocol right now. And hopefully people will share this information. Uh, so <laughs> with the pros, so we can, right. Yeah. So, so we can get this out there so that people know, you know, if you, if you post up early, maybe there's, maybe you can play it off. You know, you've got your arms in the air and then, you know, you clasp over the head and you start doing a stretch, you know, oh, like, Ooh, the good. back, Ooh, <laughs> the back's going, I got to get back down in the drops now and keep going hard mm-hmm. till you get around the corner. And then maybe you pull off and go back to the team bus. That might be a good way to do it. I would, I was going to try to play it off. Like, Hey, wait, you guys don't do ninja preems around here. Right. Like well, nobody knows about ninja preems except for yeah, I know. a handful of Minneapolis bike racers from 2000. So basically ninja preem was awesome because at the local trading crit, the promoters decided that if you were coming across the line first, when the guy dressed as a ninja with a guitar started shredding on the X and he'd play when you came across the line, you won whatever the the preem was. Maybe right. a five dollar there was no, there was, gift certificate for yeah. chicken, you know, various there things. There was no bell. You just win. Yeah, you just you know, yeah. randomly. So, so yes, that it was an encouragement to be on the front. Yeah. But not off the front by a lap posting up. So <laughs> no. this is different. Yeah, okay. Oh man. I, I just don't even know. I think you gotta play it off with the stretch. I like that idea. Or you just turn around and you just start riding backwards on the course and hope you get DQ'd. I, <laughs> just like I th- well, that's that's an option. Just th- I think you leave the arms up in victory yeah. long enough that you know the phot- photographers have gotten the shot because it's you know, it's a big race. You want to, you want that, like you're going to put that on the front of your sponsor proposal next year, regardless. Oh, that's a good point. He's going to follow. That's actually a really this. good idea. It's a sponsor proposal. And like then, yeah. And then you stretch it out. You start doing the, like, Oh, I'm getting ready to really start going hard now. And then you win the second time around for the crowd. And then you, you sprint around that corner until you're out of sight. And then I think, yeah, then you can, you can you either cry. pull over to the side or, or yeah, cry or go back to the bus or just, uh, you know, Take it from there. As long as you're out of sight, good to go. Here's the thing, though. If you do it, you must finish on like with the lead group. You know what I'm saying? Like, Ugh, like if you do it's it, such a big ask. It's a big ask. Like you gotta like if you do it, you better like you better finish with everybody else. Like you like you can't you can't show up like way like the the woman that did the short track. She was way behind. Anyways, I'm just just. Laid so, it all out there, man. You like Hayden McCormick finished put in that w- four and a half minutes behind the pack. So, well, here's the other option, right? Like you sprint, you you quote unquote win. You realize you didn't win. Do you just then flop on the ground like, oh man, I gave it everything. Just like play it up, you know? Like do you just own it and just be like, man, I destroyed myself. If that was the last lap, it wouldn't matter if everyone was there. <laughs> I would have totally won anyway because I was that good. So, yeah. Yeah, I think we solved it. I think we did it. Okay. Yeah. Little guy. Yeah. Lachlan Morton. Tour of Utah. Yeah. Winning stage five. Stage. Looking good. Mm-hmm. After all that tip-to-tip riding in the UK. All by himself, right? On the yeah. gravel roads. Is gravel yeah. racing, gravel solo bike packing, is that the new training? I mean, it seems to... I guess it's working for him. He also... He, he he finished on the podium at Leadville last week. I think week before. I don't think we even talked about it. I don't know. I'll have to check that. I I know that it was a bunch of roadies there that didn't win. He was third because it was um, mountain biker won. But yeah, yeah, uh, it's, it's working for him. Had a good race, but still, you know, he didn't he didn't get the GC. Normal roadies did better in GC. Hermans and <laughs> I will say though, like with Lachlan Martin getting the uh, the victory. Our friend Hayden McCormick did get second place on stage five, so he did have a couple of good days. But anyways, little guy, overall, <laughs> yeah, good. Any that's, that's a victory. Anything of importance of besides Joe Dembrowski winning the last stage um, of the Tour of Utah that play into the Vuelta? Anything we should care about? Uh, I bet Dombrowski is going to do the Vuelta, so he'll be good in the third week. Maybe Lachlan will do it. So. I don't know. Probably nobody else from there is going to the, maybe Karate. Now, within the Education First team, we do know that um, friend of the pod, Mitch Docker, is going to be on the on the uh, the Volta team. Mm-hmm. And nice. I also want to say that I discovered today the Mitch Docker fan club on Instagram. So check so head good. on over to the <laughs> Slow Ride Pod Instagram, and I basically did a repost of the Mitch Docker fan club documenting the 
the road painting that they put all over the climbs, like the mirror and all yes. the big climbs before the, the classics that just said Mitch. So good. I don't know if you had a chance to see this, but this may be one of the coolest fan clubs I've seen because they look like pretty decent group of blokes. I don't know what you call them, but they all had custom Mitch fan club cycling caps. I really want so one. Sweet. I really want one too. Did you see it? Do you, can we, can we be, um, are we, can we be try, like the American chapter to be part of the club or yeah. Can we be the American chapter? I'm curious. Like I know there's a lot of fan clubs out there. We see the signs, we see the two pole banners that are up everywhere. Um, yeah. I, do you think Mitch would let us be in the fan club? Like, does he get a say of who's in the fan club? Does he not like the fan uh, club? Or is he like, Ooh. Judging from the pictures, he looks... Uh, one of the pictures that makes him look like he didn't know maybe he had a fan club. And then suddenly they surrounded him with, with hats that said Mitch Docker fan club. Yeah. He looked, he looked I mean, pretty pleased, but also like, whoa, where'd this come fair. from? Is he like, Ooh. That's basically what we did to him here on the podcast. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he was nice enough to not run away in, in fear. Do you think the pros that have these fan clubs are like, oh, great. Like some of them are just like, oh man, why'd I get stuck with these guys? They're basically just the the fan club of, you know, Roberto Harris, and now they just moved over to me. Oh man. <laughs> I got the I, bottom of the I barrel think, fans. No. This it's is pretty cool to have a fan club. This Come is on. cycling, yeah. I think I think they're probably pretty stoked. <laughs> I think you gotta write that down. You gotta have your agent list that, I think, when you're when you're shopping for new teams you know you're like yeah last year was tough you know he had the injury and all that but he's got a 45 strong fan club that's pretty fanatic and yep. they will be your biggest fans and they will buy your kit so there's one there's one tick you know and and he's back on track you know well guys yeah. we are here we are finally to the vuelta our favorite grand tour of them all um almost the little guy Last year, the Vuelta was fantastic. We had a Simon Yates victory. Mm -hmm. What will we be seeing this time around? Are we going to be seeing... Because we're definitely not going to be seeing a repeat. So we're going to see a new winner. We don't have full start lists yet. But Kaha Ruhal will definitely be winning a stage of some kind. We've talked about that. Talked about that, and they've shown us that they're on some blistering form. We know that Team Yumbo... Is definitely coming stacked with Kreiswick, Gensick, Gesink, sorry, and George Bennett. And also we have Tony Martin who will be there to let the fists fly. So Team Yumbo yeah. will be looking good. We have Nairo Quintana who just dropped an amazing interview on Cycling News or quote where he's like, I'm excited to ride for a team that will finally ride for me. Currently on the oh. start list for the Vuelta along with Richard Carapaz, mm-hmm. the Juro winner. So- Yep. Do you think they'll uh, be riding for Nairo at the Vuelta? Or? Oh, I am well. So if you look at this start list for Movistar, they've got Nairo, and he's got you got his boy winner Anaconda, uh, Anaconda right? Yeah. Both are yeah. going to um, the new team. Yeah, and then you've got Valverde, who's got the two year contract, so he's he's ready to go off in the sunset. You know, just Shane riding away, and we're all going to be just riding, just yelling, Shane, don't go. When, when he finally leaves. You got Amador, who's classic, domestique, top-notch Costa Rican rider. Yeah. Then you got Carapaz, no JJ English. Rojas, and Sepulveda, the Argentinian rider. So I'll just assume South America, like, who does he go with? The Ecuadorian, or does he go with the Colombian? But then the Ecuadorian, maybe he's going to Team Sky? Ineos? So much yep. drama on this team. It is amazing. So much drama on the team. Buy or sell, buy or sell, Movistar winning the team classification at the Volta. Oh, that's historically just a strong buy every single yeah. year at every single tour, no matter what. And this time, I think I got to sell. Really? No, I would think that oh, was, this would actually be yeah, the I'm still gonna buy. time to buy because you're going to have three guys, no matter what, every stage that are just going to be attacking to beat the other one. Yeah, it's not going to yeah. work out. I don't know. I think I'd buy. So, I think I think they will be there, but I I hope they get it together and lose the team comp and just pick a leader and and ride a better race. Obviously, when they rode for one person at the Giro, it worked. So we have um, <laughs> Kyle Reinen and Peter Stetna and TJ Van Garderen representing the U.S. over in the Vuelta so far. Guys, anything of reason outside of Movistar and Team Yumbo is who's going to win this thing? Uh, a little man named Sosa. 
Who is this guy? On forum. He's another of the Androni, you know, dudes that, that are little white-haired, mustachioed, Androneo, Geocatalius, Cidermer guy finds and signs to huge contracts and then gets bought out. And he's on, you know, Ineos now. And I was like a little bit down on him this year. I kind of thought they were playing him up too big, but then he just crushed it at uh, the Volta Burgos and beat all the other big GC guys pretty handily. So I don't know, man. Somebody somebody new's got to win. So it's a little guy. Three past winners are in the Volta this year. Alejandro Valverde, yep. Nairo Quintana, and Fabio Aru. Yep, and they're all past their self <laughs> winning the Volta again <laughs> as well. So the, none of them are going to win. Let's just, just say that right now. Okay, they, these are the remaining individuals that have been on the podium at the Volta that are showing up. Esteban Chavez? Yeah, who knows what's going on. Okay. He's been yeah. Miguel Angel Lopez? He could win. He could win. Okay. Rafa Micah. <laughs> also seems like he's a little bit past his prime, but maybe it's time to get it back. You think that this could be the, the Vuelta of Wilco Kelderman? Man, I want it to be. You I always want it he to had be. A, he, had a, he had a rough year. You know, he, he was he had a bunch of injuries this year, so I'm hoping maybe he's just finally ridden into some form, though I haven't seen any results of that or any proof of that. And apologies, Ben Kin, oh. King of the U.S. is also on the start list, so. Anyway, no. I'm pretty excited for the Volta just because of Carapaz is going though, Timmy. And so I, I'm excited for the Movistar Madness. Like, if there's one yeah. one last Grand Tour before the band breaks up, this could be it, right? This could be yeah. This this could be it, and I'm stoked about it. Like, this could be some fireworks and a Grand Tour victory, because someone's going to want to win to get the better contract. Carapaz could be sitting there going like, I am never going to get to ride for the GC ever again. This could be my opportunity. And then Nairo's like, eh, That's a good point. I got my boys. I'm going to be over here on this uh, French team getting a guaranteed start terrible? at the tour every year. If Carapaz wins yeah. the Giro this year, wins the Volta, then goes to Ineos and is like down the pegging order somehow. <laughs> well, he would be. <laughs> that would just be... That's, he would, he's, he's already won a Grand Tour. That's So he's already he better than Landa. The, other Movistar rider because he's won the Grand yeah. Tour, but he's basically pulling the land of just going to where the money is and oh, not being the, the main guy. Tim, what about your buddy uh, Mentis? He's going. I was really stoked. I've heard that Dimension da- D- Data is a pro tour team. I was very stoked to see Mentis on the start list, and I hope that he does yep. fantastic. He just finished 22nd. Seven minutes down at Burgos, so yeah, still building, building to form. He could be there. Did you guys also see that the Arctic Tour of Norway was the last race of uh, Sven Tuff's career? Did I see that was right? It? Or like, I know he gave the tour that he was retiring, and I apologize. I know I may have been mixing know. it, but I thought he would go out in Canada at the Canadian One Day races, like a like yeah. a. They, like a Canadian. Maybe, maybe I did. Like the article, a lot of it was like, hey, I'm going to get into bike packing and doing yeah, like again gravel riding tours. And I was like, oh, I totally go on again. Those tours. So he just, so you think he finished the race, hooked up a trailer, and then just rode <laughs> over the Arctic Circle back to Canada? Yeah. Probably. Probably. Yeah. I'm Joe Dombrowski from Cannondale Draft Pack, and you are listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Health IQ. Head on over to healthiq.com slash WAP to find out more on how to save money on your life insurance. Health IQ takes information that you provide, proving that you are an active, healthy individual, and it saves you money on your life insurance. Check it out over at healthiq.com WAP. Nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They're continuing to support it after a while because they've been here for so long. You kind of just get into the flow, guys. Absolutely crushed it. Um, The Slow Ride Podcast also brought to you this week by our good friends over at Grimper Brothers Coffee. They make some fantastic coffee beans over there. Uh, All kinds of coffee beans, but there are two 
particular coffee beans that we like the best because they support this podcast in the Wide Angle Podium Network. And those ones are The Full Schleck and Cyclocross Friends. Uh, Cyclocross Friends is an espresso blend. It is delicious. Uh, you can make it in your regular old coffee machine at home. If you like a darker blend, you're going to love it. And The Full Schleck, a little lighter for getting you up those mountains. Uh, you know, you switch on to the lighter blend uh, when you you know when you need that little extra pep in your step. Uh, check out The Full Schleck. Both of them delicious, both available now, roasted fresh once a week and shipped out to you uh, by Grimper Brothers. You can find those over at wideanglepodium.com slash coffee. All right. We'd also like to thank the listeners and supporters of the Wide Angle Podium Network. Head on over to wideanglepodium.com to see the whole selection of shows and where you can also become a, a supporting member of the pod. You get some great bonus content. You also get the ability to um, choose where your, your money goes. If you ever wanted to buy one of us a beer, it'd be a great opportunity to do that. You can also support uh, roller derby, the uh, almost certainly the greatest fantasy cycling game on the internet. You can also, uh, you know, support what Mitch Docker is doing with life in the Peloton, which he had another wonderful episode of Michael Freeberg. And I was thinking the entire time, that um, little guy should be listening to that episode because he talks so much about like the different types of training methods. And I loved his story about the, yep. uh, the different crank lengths. And yep. then I liked and they called him up like, hey, we need points to get a spot in the Olympics. And so then it's like, oh, man, you're going to the crazy guy with the extra long crank lengths. <laughs> So, um, I know I liked it. I um, it felt like Mitch was interviewing a more talented version of myself. Yeah, it was it was awesome. Also, <laughs> it was like all this. All, he had a lot of goofy um, approaches to things. Um, maybe I haven't been quite as goofy, but also obviously don't have the talent or the drive that he has because he's a much better biker than me. So it's super interesting. But it was like, man, I like this guy. It's a weirdo. It was a full week over at the Wide Angle Podium. Also, Bike Shop CX did a great uh, listener, you know, viewer emails or listener emails, and mm-hmm. talked a lot about glue and tubulars again. I got I got the the buzz just listening to oh. all that glue talk. Um, Rebecca Gross was over on the gravel lot. Can't wait to hang out with those guys out at the um, Trek World Cup in Madison. So if anybody's coming up, yeah. we're gonna have a full tent compound you can stop by meet the uh, hosts of the different shows hang out take some photos we've got some great ideas we're gonna have a little bit of merch mm-hmm. um, we're gonna be doing some bring, live interviews bring by your uh slow ride podcast fan club uh cycling caps that you had made and we will sign them for you yeah. or whatever you need yeah, yeah definitely <laughs> for the slow ride podcast <laughs> fan club for sure and then uh, the final one i want to bring up Today, I was grocery shopping, guys. I had my earbuds in when I was grocery shopping. I was in the zone. I was just going. I was like going between the the organic bananas and the regular bananas, um, you know, uh-huh. just kind of getting some peaches, oranges out, out of season. And I was just like really getting into it And the whole because the whole time I was listening to the <laughs> new um, Cyclocross Radio episode with Scott Herman and Bill okay. did a whole new like yeah. kind of format for it this week. And it was great. Scott Herman, it was like Scott Herman had his like, these are the five things I want to talk about cyclocross. And then they just riffed off it. It was fantastic. If you haven't listened to cyclocross radio in a little while, jump back in. Bill does a great job. He's got an awesome radio voice and he's basically the, the documentarian of cyclocross in the U S at this point and also mountain biking in the U S. So check it out. Um, and finally, one of the other things I wanted to point out is please find us on social media. You can head on over to the slow ride pod on Twitter and Instagram. And you can also go to Facebook where we have the, um, slow ride podcast official fan experience zone. Yeah. So yeah. yeah one of the biggest Check things you can do for the show is sharing it, uh, for other people to find, um, because you know, we see the numbers, so, we know you're out there. We, we appreciate every single one of you, but we also appreciate your friends who aren't listening yet. <laughs> this is a, this is a pretty good story. So last, uh, Johnny Hanel, one of our uh, friends of the podcast, lives up in Michigan, learned about the pod from our Twitter account because someone had like retweeted one of our inane con- uh, you know, comments on something. Amazing, amazing commentary and on then something, yes. I was in Michigan for work last week, and then Johnny's like, hey, I got tickets to Smashing Pumpkins, and I absolutely crushed it, guys. It was awesome. I, I looked the part. <laughs> um, I wore a black t-shirt. It was the 2013 Louisville World cyclocross championships kit i thought that that like was a good way to kind of get back into the world um and i gotta tell you billy corgan real commitment to the bit there after all these years (laughs) still doing it 
<laughs> yep. That's, so, that's true. so Johnny, friend of the pod, thanks for the uh, support. And uh, that's amazing, guys. Let's get back to the show. This is Abby Mickey from Rally UHC Professional Cycling Team, and you're listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. Dreams so come true. Five stars from Allie C. Dreams do come true. Little guy is back on the pod. Was it all a ruse to have little Matt retire only to come out of retirement? (laughs) Who cares? It worked. I donated a wide angle podium for the first time in an attempt to crowdfund, making it worthwhile for all of you to keep making the magic happen. Feel free to take little breaks as needed to refresh, but honestly... Hope you all never tire of podcasting every week. Five stars. Allie, boom. Thank you. Was this review helpful? Yes. Thank you. Yeah, that was yes. helpful. Thank you. Um, Thanks for It's good to have you back, nice. little guy. But I do think that we do need to talk a little bit about this. And the reason why I bring this up, little guy, did you, did you, were you funneling your 2015, 2014 Lance Armstrong with your comeback here? Like, what was the deal? Uh, yeah, I'm always doing that. I'm always doing. He's like, oh, if Lance could do I'm gonna it, come it back. worked so well for him. Yeah, I, I figured that I'd come back. Well, I got cocky. I guess it was 2011. I heard, some, yeah, yeah. I heard that somebody else had podcasted, and I was like, I'm better than them. <laughs> F them. And so I came back. <laughs> yeah, and um, I didn't think about the fact that I've, I've been cheating on every podcast, and they haven't been. So hmm, maybe that's why I was beating them, but... You know, anyway, I'm back yeah. and I'm better than well, ever. And I've been, you know, and, I'm, and, you're, and, and I'm manipulating you know, my blood profile right now. I was just going to say the best part is you're still cheating. So it's going to be fine. Yep. Yep. My blood values will not change for the entire uh, time of this podcast. Post race. <laughs> Amazing. Post race interview helmet protocol. Hey, all. I watched today's highlights of the Arctic race of Norway to get yet another look of a sweet salmon podium prizes. Duh. By the way, did you guys? Yeah. You guys saw this? I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. The king of the mountain gets so the good. the uh, the giant uh, salmon podium mm-hmm. accoutrement. It's great. I like People it. People are stepping up their games. I'm starting to like this podium bucket really was are. just the start, little guy. When you started with the podium bucket, yeah. So, I mean, you could put a salmon in a bucket pretty easy. And as I saw the sweet salmon podium prizes, I noticed the stage winner, Brian Cocard, Vidal Concept B and B Hotels. Never heard of this hotel chain, by the way. Kept his helmet on, but unstrapped during his post-race interview. So what say you? For post-race interviews, helmet on, helmet off? If on, strapped or unstrapped? If off, a cycling cap with proper luft or straight-up helmet hair, assuming you have hair. Flipped Bill? Interested in some hot takes and some shade. Brian Hancock of the Alma GP. Um, And once again, the 16th podium prize for the Alma GP that Brian Hancock uh, put together was like a hotel room. And we were going to give it to um, Ruby Roubaix, who is a criminal and can't come to the U.S. And then uh, Doug (laughs) Kniper, we said Doug should win it, but Doug lives there and Doug doesn't need to stay in a hotel. So I think that they should just take that money that they were going to put into the hotel and just put it on Doug's beer tab at the Alma Brewing, which is the sponsor of the Avalon Pontoons Alma GP, which is happening in September okay. here. So that being said, guys, whoo, helmet protocol yeah, post race. Yeah. So mm. I imagine you guys have some hot takes. Probably Tim has the hottest takes. I'm going to guess out of all these. Mm. Okay. I'm going to go out on a limb right now and just say you're both wrong. I don't even know what you're going to say. So, but wow. It's okay. going to be incorrect. I would say that I, you can keep the helmet. You take the helmet off, especially if you have the helmet hair with like the your hair is coming out where the ventilation was on the helmet. Yeah, um, I, like I, that. I like the immediate pre podium post race interviews. Right, yeah. like now I will say this: if we can ever find someone that gets up on the podium in a pro race with their helmet on, I would be really into that. Really? And it, Why? Because when has it been done before at that top level, like world tour race? Mm. So supposedly we we know for a fact, we've heard stories that the helmet sponsorship is one of the most expensive sponsorships that goes into a pro tour team, right? Because it's so visible. Yeah. Why don't these teams say like mandate 
you're wearing our helmet when you're on the podium. What better way to get your podium? It's not a podium bike. It's not taken away from anything. It could be a little dangerous up there. You're a couple of feet high. You never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that they don't. If I was a helmet company, I would well, I would write that into the contract. Nope. A couple of feet high if you're first or second, Tim. Third place. I don't know if he needs it. Third place. <laughs> um, so, you know, you had me going there. I was on board with what you're saying. I was kind of impressed. And then you started with the podium helmet thing and, and you completely lost me. So I do feel confident again in, uh, in my assertion that you were going to be wrong with your opinion. <laughs> Little guy, I assume it's going to say proper loft is all that there should be. And <laughs> probably people shouldn't, it shouldn't even be a debate because they shouldn't be racing in helmets anyway. <laughs> and uh, that's nah. taken away from the beauty of the sport. Kind of, yada, yeah. Yada. Sort of, yeah. But really, the helmet on for racing, the helmet off for anything else, including media, it should come off immediately uh, upon, you know, stopping, congratulate your teammates after a victory or whatever, take it off, throw it over the bars, roll around to the swan years, whatever, just let that helmet hair fly, let it go, let let it flow, um, encourage that, we need we need to bring back that sort of uh Can I aesthetic. tell you what one of my favorite things to do is when you roll up somewhere okay. And you have your helmet latched around your stem. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of yep. is like perfectly there between your, like that cradle between your two handlebars. Now you couldn't do this on the Canyon double decker bike. I don't think like that'd be a little, a little awkward oh, to try to do that on the duplex. Yeah. But I'm kind of, uh, I just love that, that look and that roll around. So uh, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Brian, again, thanks for the it's, email. It's, thanks for the support um, guys. You know, what's what's, Beautiful about that what, uh, scene you just described, Tim, is that it used to be when we were coming up, that was reserved only for campy cyclists. That's why it was so cool because <laughs> you could only do it with campy because Shimano had, they had the cables coming across and SRAM didn't even exist. Yeah, that's true. So <laughs> you could not, it was the epitome of cool to just sort of, you know, Mm-hmm. hang it from the back of your stem like over the you know because like, you knew because then you could instantly tell who was on drape. campy or shimano yeah. yeah and now it's i'm glad that it's carried on it's still a cool look um but everybody can enjoy yeah. and you know we don't have to spend twice as much money for negligible amount of better uh quality hey guys long time listener first time emailer i really enjoy enjoyed episode 261 as usual you guys are spot on and Hilarious. However, I think Tim really buried the lead when he started talking about his days at UPS. I worked with Tim at Big Brown in <laughs> Minneapolis when he was still a bike oh, neophyte. No. This is there's Amazing. so much more to the story that he has left out. Perhaps little guy and Spencer and I could do a Tim's UPS top corner shenanigans piece and let people have a clear <laughs> picture of what Tim was really like at That's work. Good. He is an almost legendary <laughs> on the shop floor to this very day. Keep up the good work. Helps him get through Tuesday nights at UPS. John Senum, big fan of the pod. John, thanks for all your support to the Wide Angle Podium Network. And I, guys, I got to admit, my days at UPS were very impressive. You guys saw like a little bit of the tail end of it um, when I was still there, but yeah, good times. Huh. Um, I, I, I don't know. I kind of find it hard to believe. I don't mean nobody remembers you downtown anymore. I your career days. Yeah, I know. I know. I, do they? Do you? Are, do they still know who you are, little guy there downtown? <laughs> like, you're still not. working I'm like, as a courier. I'm like, I'm like anonymous. I just sort of keep to myself. Yeah, like I mean, hide. we used to run that. We used to, we used to crush it. Yeah, we ran that town. We ran that town um, before it went all. I find it hard to believe that UPS Tim was this crazy because I remember UPS Tim slightly overlapped with with Bike Courier Tim. Yes, am I correct? Yep. I remember early bike courier Tim telling me about how he was riding on the train tracks, like with the train tracks, and he like fell in the train track and, and crashed pre right before they put the trains on. And I was thinking this guy, this guy, what's wrong with this guy? Why would you do that? I was just training, but, trying to get my bike handling <laughs> together, riding on the rail. Trying, yeah. trying to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Just totally mistook what training was. You yep. know, thought he had to go to the actual train. All right. I got a train. I'm going to put on this yeah. chamois. I'm going to ride down this train track as long as I can. I do remember when I worked at UPS, I loved seeing the Cannondale boxes that would come through UPS. And I treated them with extra care because they had a Seiko logo on the side of it. Oh, and so I was yeah, like, you gotta, you gotta show respect. I, was like, I gotta show respect. respect. Is That's due. the team. That's the team right there. Yeah. All about that. Good times. And uh, John, thanks again for your email. 
And the final one comes to us from James Ebby. Hey guys, not so not so long time listener, first time emailer here. Only three stages in the tour of Utah, and I'd like to comment on the commentary. You guys thought Phil Liggett and Bob Roll were bad. Well, <laughs> Bob Soner and Frankie Andreu are worse. I gotta say, I disagree with that, James. I think they're an upgrade on Bob Roll and Phil Liggett. Consistently mixing up riders and talking about the weirdest things. Just wondering if you have been watching and felt the same way about the commentary. One of your very few Arizonian listeners. Um, I would say this, that I mix up people all the time. And you're listening to this, <laughs> where we just spent five minutes talking about Minneapolis courier days. So we also talk about weird stuff to keep you entertained. So it could be a lot worse. But as a caveat, it could be. Do you remember Frankie Andreu on Versus or Outdoor Life Network when he had the unenviable task of interviewing the man who ruined his professional cycling career, Lance Armstrong? <laughs> I do. And I thought Frankie did a damn good job. Uh, so I can't believe he didn't just punch Lance one time on camera. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the way to quit your job. Live national television, boom. Right before you the tour. America's, before the America's hero at that point. <laughs> Yeah. He, oh, um, I so missed opportunity. I, I haven't been watching the tour of Utah uh, commentary or 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 stages or anything, so I'm not uh, not sure uh, the quality. But Frankie should know what he's doing, and Brad definitely knows what Brad's he's doing. Good. He's kind of like, he's got the he's got the voice for sure. Um, you know he's. Definitely the voice of crits in the U.S. I don't know uh, if road racing is much different. or I guess the thing about it is you got a lot of time to fill, right? Yeah, and it's Utah. I mean, I was just going to say, as far as I know, not a lot of chateaus and things uh, to talk about in Utah uh, <laughs> as the helicopter is driving along. So, yeah, I could see that being pretty brutal, uh, oh. both from – from a working it side and from a trying to enjoy it uh, on the viewership side. So I didn't even yeah, think about I, uh, that. The, the no it. historical, just little camera shots to really fill the time. I didn't, I've never really thought about that, but that does feel, that must feel at least 15% at the yeah. tour and the, and the, and the, and the Giro and stuff, those quick little shots. And what do you, yeah. What do you do? I mean, even if you wanted to talk about Utah and history and things like that, like they probably wouldn't want you to. would <laughs> <laughs> be like, and there's and, the McLean and settlement there. over there. In 1994, an armed standoff between yeah. militant white supremacist separatists <laughs> and the FBI resulted in 15 dead. Ooh, and, he- and on your left, you'll see... Uh, the former uh, cattle wrestler uh, Steve Smith's house. Uh, he was shot dead by 15 U.S. Marshals in 1914. And that right there, this is the welcome to the downtown Provo uh, criterium where our city blocks are about a mile long because that's how they were prescribed to be built back in the day. I love city planning jokes about Salt Lake City. Take it, Utah. Wow, I, Utah, really throwing Utah. No, I went to Utah. I like going to Utah. No. Oh. Park City's awesome. Yeah. Real Salt Lake, it's awesome pretty. soccer team. I remember when I got to Utah, though, I was downtown, and it was like, I was at like 300 whatever street, and then it was like, oh, yeah, I just got to go up to 400, so I parked my car. It was a really long walk. Their blocks are yeah. really well, long. Yeah. You got... That's that's what I think would be tough about calling a crit in Utah would be being like, okay, and they are, there's a four-corner crit, so they're going to go down to 400 south, 100 yeah. north, and take a left up to 200 south, 400 east, and then they're going to take another left on 200. Spencer knows what I'm talking about. It's crazy. It's brutal. Yeah. And it's all, all the numbers. Well, Tim, you're, Tim, you're a St. Paul man where each – each each like 100 numbers encompasses between 5 and 37 blocks yeah. nobody actually knows yeah. it's just sort of randomly spewed out there yeah that, right that was the great Jesse Ventura appearance on David Letterman when he was talking about the, the yeah. drunk the, the drunk city planning of St. Paul like there's no yeah. there's no rhyme or reason at all whereas like you at least go to Minneapolis and it's somewhat gridded and you kind of get it Minneapolis is very orderly in comparison to St. Paul yeah so anyway that's our claim to fame. That's our um, urban planning corner on the Slow Ride Podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, always enjoyable. Well, add another uh, corner to the Slow Ride Podcast shape. Hey, guys. Whatever it is now. Yeah. I want to get into something yeah. here. I was thinking about this. 
we always we always go to Pro Cycling Stats, probably one of our favorite websites that we've been to. Mm-hmm. And look, you were talking a little bit earlier um, about uh, uh, Jamondi uh, passing, yep. right? Yep. Well, Grand exactly. Tour winner, all three Grand Tours, takes the victories, and about his uh, last entry into the Pro Cycling Stats website. Yep. It's a race I can't pronounce. It's the it's a nineteen seventy eight in August nineteen seventy eight, and it's the Chateau Classic de Indre Trophy Fenu. But he got second. Crushed it. But yeah, like we were saying, it's kind of weird that that's what your pro cycling stats just stops and it and only pulls up on your last race. So for most people, it's like uh, don't really have the form anymore. I got one hundred and fifty seventh. And then, yeah. you know, it doesn't really represent you as a the, rider. Like the Sven Tuff one is going to show a lot of, you know, races near the end of his career where he was the true domestique shepherding along all these riders and not the fact that he is yeah. a silver medalist at the Olympics or won the um, the Richmond, Virginia U.S. Open Cup in 2005 when he was on Symmetrics. Lots yeah. of cool things, right? So this got me to thinking about this, like, kind of, what what you are is your pro cycling stats page, and you land on it, uh-huh. gentlemen. Mario yeah. Cipollini, one yeah, of what's his one of arguably one of the oh greatest boy. of all time, forty two time stage winner, little guy. What yeah. do you think his last appearance is, Spencer? What do you think his last appearance is on the Mario Cipollini page? I I have a okay. guess. I'm gonna guess stage three. Tour of California, 2007? Is that the comeback? He, yeah. That's my guess. Okay. I think he dropped out in the middle and well, never What do you guess, again. little guy? That's my guess. Yeah, I guess whatever stage is that comeback. So yeah. I was thinking that it was going to be the Las Vegas crit, the Wheelers and Dealers crit at uh, Interbike in 2000, like kind yeah. of the middle 2000 era when he, remember he got, didn't he get crashed out? I have no idea. I remember like yeah, that being a big deal that he showed up that year. Um, so I was wrong. Spencer, you're it somewhat is. close. 2008, Mario Cipollini came out of retirement three years after retirement, after retiring with Liquid Gas for rock racing, yeah. the Continental team. <laughs> yeah. Showed up at the Tour of California. He got 44th in the prologue. He got 86th in stage one. He got third in stage two in Sacramento. Then he has yeah, a bad. bunch. He has a couple 10th place finishes. He did finish the race though. He got 10th place in Pasadena on the did last he? day. Oh. He finished the race okay. in 58th place. So Mario Cipollini's last race where he did well was stage two of the 2008 tour of California. He got third place. He beat okay. Mark Cavendish who got fourth place. Who do you think beat Mario Cipollini in arguably his last moment of sunshine. Like he, the rock racing, you know, was going all in on this. Like he was full gas rock racing. Like they emptied out the refrigerator. They got Kaylee Leo grand to come over and just like pump them all full of it. Like we knew this was the, this was the race. Who do you think Mm -hmm. beat him? God, just guessing. Uh, it's in America, so Brad Hoff beat him. Nope. And I don't know. Nope. <laughs> Tyler Farrar, top place American, was in sixth place. Whoa, Tyler. You got to think back to 2008, yeah. little guy. What team in 2008 was about to go yeah. down in flames from their own doping scale? Uh, scandal. Mind me. I'm just going to drink some water. Oh, Gerald Steiner. Nice. Uh, who could sprint on Gerald Steiner? Oh, have you forgotten about Forrester second place finisher Heinrich Hausler? Oh, Barbie. Dang. So Hausler gets second. Tom Boonen took the victory on stage two. Tom Boonen Beautiful. beat Cipollini on Cipollini's final swan song. Well, that's not a bad way to go. Yeah, I mean, I guess it could be worse. Oh, I mean, man. it could be a lot worse. So good, guys. <laughs> Listen to if, the teams that were at this tour of California. This is this is the quality tour California used to be. You have Mario Cipollini for rock racing. Gerald Steiner was their quick step. Team Columbia. It's Columbia High Road, right? And then you have CSC Pro Team. The Kodak Kodak Gallery Pro Cycling Team with Dominic Roland. Remember them? Oh. Yeah. K 
Kelly Benefits, yeah. Health Net presented by Maxis, and then he had Bissell Pro Cycling. Bissell, the Bissell team. Bissell. I kind of like their kits too. They had that weird like graphite to red combo. Really? I never really liked their kits. I'm sure Jello Belly was in the tour this year. Oh yeah, there they were. Oh yeah. Yeah, they were there for about a hundred years. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, there you go. 2008 Tour of California. Back when the Tour of California didn't try to take on the greatest Grand Tour of them all, the Giro, and I cared a little bit more about it. Yeah, it was just a training race. Those are better times. Well, guys, I rode a little bit of mountain bikes this morning. I was feeling good. I dusted off the baggies. I went out. I drove 40 minutes to ride a five-mile loop because there isn't any real mountain biking <laughs> close to Orlando. But damn, did it feel good. Okay. That's sad. It is a little sad. But it's a little it sad. I mean, get... I'm glad you got to go ride the bike, but I, me and Spencer both who could very easily ride to pretty serious mountain biking from our house. Um, we feel sorry for you. I, uh, I had some fun. Slate it, I think you would say. Uh, I didn't crash. I didn't bleed all over the place. So that's also good. It's mm-hmm. um, called slaying it. I I had so much fun riding mountain bikes. And it was like, I was, oh man, I miss riding mountain bikes and the ability to ride out my front door. So if you're listening to the Slow Ride Podcast Tim. and you have the ability to like <laughs> get to quality mountain bike trails within 10 minute drive or 15, 20 minute bike ride, and you're not doing it once a week, I'm very disappointed in you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Tim's wagging his finger at you. Yeah. Now, where did this nostalgia come from, Tim? Is it Does it have something to do with the fact that only one year ago, we had our great Schwamigan mountain bike well, challenge? I was thinking about that today because I was riding my single-speed rigid mountain bike that, that uh-huh. remember and realizing I, I didn't I didn't even use it for the idea. race and it was the rigid mountain bike that then I got and then I go pick it up at Chuck it behind bars in Minneapolis and that's when I discovered uh-huh. that there's this new thing called a boost fork basically yeah the bike industry decided you know that old wheel hub spacing that worked totally fine for and had no problems all those years for all those years that was fantastic well you yeah. need a new fork and oh, you also need a new hub size because there's about a 10 millimeter difference between boost and non-boost. And now it's the new industry standard. Yep. And that's also why I hate mountain biking. Cause I was like, what? So now I have a fork with a hub that doesn't match it. So I have these weird washers that I can't lose if I have to take the wheel off. Yep. It sucks. Tough, man. You should stick with 26. Or just build a weird bike out of scraps and race that at Chihuahua. But I actually really enjoyed yeah. riding rigid on my single speed. I could climb those hills so fast. I mean, the Florida hills. But, you know, I was crushing it. <laughs> Florida hills, yeah. <laughs> I bet you were. Cool. Um, I do also, you know, I'm really into seeing what people wear a lot more than bikes. There was this one crew of riders that came by us, though. There's about 10 of them, like, nose to tail, just, like, riding along. Every one of them had a bike that was at least like five to seven thousand dollars. Like I couldn't believe, like Santa Cruz's pivots, evils, like so many. I was like looking at, them, I'm just like, there's a lot of money right there. And that, yeah. like, I've never seen that much money being used in like I was like seventy thousand dollars worth of bike, just cruising mm-hmm. by, and I'm like, oh, I love my aluminum <laughs> mountain bike. <laughs> Don't look at my So he's taking a a a five to ten thousand dollar full suspension mountain bike out in Florida, kinda like driving your supercar to downtown Wyzetta just to get a burger. Just kind of using using way well, too much for uh for the purpose. There well, a lot of these were cross country bikes. I mean, some of them you'll see that are totally, you know, the all mountain bike with like a one fifty suspension and all that, like kind of crazy, totally jacked back. But uh, I think this is mostly people are riding now. I got to say this, like the trail I went to is halfway to Santos. So there's really good mountain biking up in Santos, like a hundred miles of single track that are fantastic. It's an Imba ride center um, place. So, you know, great trails. This is kind of the outlier between Orlando and there. So, you know, there's a lot of people that live. So where is it? By. Santos? Is Santos is the big one. That's that's the okay. main one. Then there's a really good ride center down in Tampa called Alafaya and Come the winter months, like January, February, a lot of people from the north come down. It's fan- some of the best riding. Um, okay. Chuck from uh, Minneapolis was just down here uh, last February for uh, Santos as well, riding. I mean, it's great. 
So I highly recommend going down, but it's, you know, it's a drive from Orlando, which kind of sucks. Halfway to Santos sounds like some sort of phrase. You know, you'd be like, oh man, that dude, he's halfway <laughs> to Santos. <laughs> that guy. Well, anyway. So I little guy, you. in closing. Yeah. In closing. This, this reminiscence of me slaying you guys at Schwamigan, of me crushing yes. you yeah. guys. How, uh-huh. How's the bike, little guy? Did you fix that the bike The bike's yet? good. I rode it on uh, Wednesday at the at the last Wednesday night oh, on bike race. You showed here. up to the real night with your vintage bike, and they're like, "Oh, that was last <laughs> week, little guy." Yeah, I gotta <laughs> say, the I brought the Schwamigan bike to the to the mountain bike race, and it was it was way more fun, and I felt much faster on it um, than I did on my actual mountain bike. And but how'd you do? Being lazy. Being lazy, I didn't want to change a tire on a wheel, so I just grabbed one of my my cross tubular wheels with the file tread on it and threw that on the rear. So I had the like, I had the like um, giant twenty uh, nine er tire in the front, and then I had a little seven hundred by thirty three um, <laughs> file tread on the rear. And so oh, you'd no. be super surprised to realize that I flatted halfway through the so race. Let me ask, look at how many flat rear flat tires do you now have in your collection? <laughs> I have almost all of them. I have one. I have five bikes. I think I five five bikes that would take take a seven hundred C, and I have one wheel. So you have five bikes with five (laughs) flat tires, and you have one. I have like six flat tires because I have you know I have like extra cross wheels. Maybe I have seven. I have extra cross wheels, and they're all flat or like. The sidewalls are basically blown, and you know it maybe would hold air, but I'd be scared to go around. So you the can't even say like, it. "Oh, I'm stretching them. I'm stretching these tubes." No, they all need to be re-glued at this point, and or they're just wheels are broken. I I literally have one wheel for all my bikes. I have all these bikes with front wheels hanging in my basement, and I've got one wheel that I've got to move around. That I was too lazy to change the tire for the other day, but now that's 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 the only thing I'm in. So that's my weird bike thing i don't know yeah well <laughs> it's kind of sad i don't have any parts that go between bikes maybe like a saddlebag every now and then but even now i've gotten enough saddlebags um that i'm you know <laughs> what i mean like i'm kind of tim you're so pro yeah. you know i'm just trying to think so, water bottles you don't have to do like low, whenever low i have to go for a ride caitlin's like are you gonna go for a ride i'm like oh yeah yeah I'm, I'm gonna get out i'm gonna get out right now and that means i initially have to go in the basement for at least 30 minutes either pedals wheels <laughs> saddlebags, maybe a bottle cage. Something will have to be swapped because every bike is in some permanent state of slight disrepair at this point. Classic classic late summer uh you know stretch here Yo, of all the bikes. Just limping. And you're gonna you're gonna refresh them soon because Cross is right around the corner, little guy. And they're gonna make it just through the end of Cross season, <laughs> just barely by the skin of their teeth. Yeah. Because you're only gonna do What's absolutely necessary oh, you know to get them to that point. Yeah. And uh, then you can lay them to rest until uh, maybe the night before your first spring ride with the team or something. Um, Just make April. sure you wash I've... your bike before, <laughs> after the last race of the season. You, oh, yeah, that's that one never critical. I've, I've came, I came pretty close in spring from stealing the brake pads off, off both my cross bikes so I could make my work bike work. And I resisted the urge and just sort of rode an even jankier bike for work for a day so I could go get brake pads because <laughs> thankfully because otherwise I would have never got to fix that and I wouldn't even have the the one cross bike to ride right now so it's it's tough man I'm sure Spencer you've been in this boat I've, I've seen your bike collection oh. it usually involves some weird thing. at least at least your kits are all in a ball on the floor <laughs> yeah, yeah oh yeah we've all we've all been there this is you know this is a classic collegiate lifestyle that we're all still living. <laughs> Without the student reason. loans, it's great. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, it was another successful episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. We'd like to thank all of our listeners and supporters that head over to WideAnglePodium.com for their support. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Slow Ride Pod. Check us out on Facebook, also the Slow Ride Podcast official fan ex- super ex- zone experience area. We'd also like to thank healthiq.com slash WAP. Find out on how you can save money on your life insurance. And our friends at Grimper Brothers. Head over to wideanglepodium.com slash coffee or look for the Grimper Brothers logo on the, the the sidebar. And you can find out how to get your very own pound of coffee, either the full Schleck 
or the Hello Cyclocross Friends Espresso Blunt. And with that, this is always first place, Tim in Orlando, Florida. <laughs> this is always second place, Matt, Minneapolis. And this is Spencer in Boston, bringing up the rear <laughs> as usual and reminding you to always wave at all your fellow cyclists that you see out on the road. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod.